Welcome to the Directing Animation Livecast with Scott Weiser. In my many years as an animator and director, my most defining projects have been my short film, Layers, along with Vanishing Ink and Cirque de Solitude, two books which I wrote, illustrated, and pitched at several studios as feature films. And I have more of these feature film pitches coming soon. Today I'm with my good friend Jalil Sadul. Jalil actually has worked as the same company as me, but at different times. And that was uh, Rhythm and Hughes, the effects company. He's also worked for Weta, DreamWorks. He created the online animation school, CGTarian, which produced wonderful students who are now working in the industry. And he has co-founded the studio, Steamroller Studios, which has just released the celebrated short film, Spice Frontier. Hey, Jalil. Hey, Scott. <laughs> Did I leave anything out? Is there anything you'd like to add to your bio? No, 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 we're good. No, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah, first, first line of topic. Let's talk about the Spice Frontier. Talk about that project and uh, what, what your experience was making that project and, and how it all went. How it all went. Um, <laughs> well, we, we never really planned to make it short. I think, I think uh, that was the, the funny part of it. I mean, we never planned to do anything. You know, we, we yeah. never planned to build a studio, you know, uh, uh, somebody put it in good way. Jalil is the only person I know who woke up one morning and, and realized he was running a studio. <laughs> um, and it's absolutely true. You know, we, we, you know, I do have a lot of students when you ask them, oh, what would you like to do someday? Oh, I'd like to build my own studio. And I'm like, oh my God, I've never, they don't even know like how, <laughs> how painful that is. Yeah, and yeah. don't do that. Yep. You know, for us, it was more of a, uh, you know, building Steamroller was very much uh, a matter of, well, to make the thing that we want to make, we need to bring people on board. And bringing people on board, putting them together in one room, that's called a studio. Uh, okay, yeah. now we need to make sure they are happy, so we need to give them benefits and time off. And all of a sudden you have a studio. Oh, my God, they are <laughs> angry, and I don't know how to deal with this. Oh, I need an HR. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's all these things that you just, you were making up as we go, and it's only a few years in that we realize we have a studio. Let's take care of it now. You know, let's cherish it. Let's make sure people are happy. Let's make sure we have, uh, you know, uh, a team that's producing, you know, good quality work. So making a short was never a part of it. It's making, you know, how many of us have tried to make a short and then realize it takes so much time. Or, <laughs> you know, there's other things. Life gets in the way. Or you know, if you're not paid to do it, usually you just you never finish it. You know. So it was uh, my uh, my business partner Adam Meyer. Who he Adam is not from the film industry. He's uh, he's been a graphic designer, owned his own company for for years. And Keith and I, the other two partners, we are from the film industry. So we are more jaded when it comes to making shorts and film, and we know the difficulties. And I remember Adam said, hey, guys, you know, we've got, at that point, we had about 25, 30 animators. And I said, we have 25, 30 animators. Why are we making just a video game? We should be making an animated short during a long time, you know, when there is no work. And of course, Keith and I laughed. You know, we're like, oh, Adam, you don't know how this works. <laughs> but, <laughs> But he had a great point because it was only a couple of days later when I woke up one night and I said, he's so right. We, we could totally, you know, I started brewing, you know, I was like, we can absolutely make a short. So I called him. I said, Adam, I have got an idea. We should make a short. And he goes, well, really? Um, so I said, I've got it. I've got this idea. Let's let me just uh, let me just spend the weekend. And I said, the tough part would be convincing Keith. And uh, he was like, all right, well, how do you want to do this? Well, let me just write something. 
uh, pull and animatic together. I'll just do a quick little previs. It will take me like a month to put together and then yeah. we can pitch it to him. And Adam was like, let's do it. So I said, first, let me get the story together. So I wrote it over like a weekend and I called Adam over and he sat down on my couch and I said, all right, I'm just going to read this to you. So I read it to him and I remember him looking at me going, dude, we got something here. This is fun. I was like, all right, let's do it. But we can't <laughs> tell Keith. And I was like, no, we have to tell Keith. We have to tell him that we are working on something. Are we able to? And Keith was like, as long as you guys are doing this on your own time, it doesn't you know, affect work time and we're still doing what we do, I'm okay with it. So for a whole month, I was at home every night working on this little animatic. And after, after a month goes by, we, we invited Keith over. Adam and I had our suit on and we were very <laughs> nice. professional. We had wine and cheese and I had my big screen. Oh, full on, I had wine and cheese and he sits down and we talk to him, like, you know, offering him wine and he goes, come on guys, let's just, let's just play. And I remember when he started playing the animatic, it was all scratch audio and all that stuff. And he was the first moment when Kent, if you guys have seen the show, when Kent walks in and he turns on his, he opens his helmet and he starts to suffocate and Keith chuckled. And the moment he did that, Adam and I were over the moon. We're like, oh, he, he laughed. <laughs> he goes, oh, wow. so That's the best reward. He didn't say anything yeah. until the show was done. He took a sip of wine. And I'll never forget that he took his time. Keith is a Keith is a jokester, right? He, he took he took class of one and he okay. looked and he goes, "All right, when do we start?" Oh my God, it was so amazing to have approval from him. And then he said, "All right, as long as we get it done within that time." And we it was very much a you know a passion project, right? And mm-hmm. but yeah. everybody was on board because it was our own thing. We were telling our own story, and and uh, so we production got started. And within in the middle of the production, I said. We are building a world here and we need to write the whole Bible for this world. And yeah. so we started writing and uh, Adam was like, hey, we should make a book out of it. I laughed. And then a couple of days later, realized he was right. Uh, so we did make a book out of it and we're actually going to release it very soon. And and uh, so we built a world and we decided we can. We were only going to spend about a year and a half to get it done, and which we did. <laughs> and it was, we were proud of it because it's, you know, a lot of studios I've worked at, you've worked at Rhythm and Hughes yourself, you know, they, uh, when I was there, they tried so hard to get a short, you know, going and they were never able to because oh, of interesting. the, yeah, it's, yeah, when it's I was the there, lead. people were trying to get a short going, but it was like, oh, no, 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 no. And then the layoffs happened and they just bankrupted a, a year later. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult to get a short going because yeah. you need the people, the time, the money, the you know the structure, the pipeline. There's a lot of stuff when you're busy on projects and client projects. It's hard to do. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah. So you know, we were lucky enough to have people. You know, our team were incredibly passionate about it. You know, honestly, you can't make a short on you. It's I mean, you've done it, Scott, <laughs> but it's hard. I can't say you can't. I'm gonna say it's really hard to it's do a so short. Hard. On you. It is so it's hard. It's so hard to do it. But having people, having your team, honestly, being passionate, loving it, hardworking, talented is what got Spice Frontier to be what it is. You know, I can tell you, I had ideas, I had a vision, I had a look for it. I even saw the film. Yeah. Before I did it, but when it came out, when the team did it, it was better. You know, it was better than what I could have imagined. You know, yeah. so it shows you that when you have the right people and the right, you know, talent to do it, anything can happen. And you got to trust your team. You got to trust your team. You really do. Yeah, and and doing it with a team is so much better. It's so much more enjoyable. I'm actually going to have yeah. a guest on soon who does 
he does features on his own. <laughs> oh my god! That'll be in September. We'll we'll see how that goes. Oh my god! Wow. And that's not something I'd want to do. It's just fascinating. It's it'll be interesting to talk to him because I've been through layers all all on my own, and and now a couple years have passed. And actually, that's that short film is still opening doors, which is incredible to me. At the same time, I would completely rewrite it with everything I've learned and since then, and yeah. and all the feedback that I've heard. I would completely rewrite it. So, what's the future of Spice Frontier like? I, how do you well, feel about it? What what would you like to happen with it? Well, we as a studio, as a company, we are, we we feel we've got a we've got a, a really nice IP here. We feel we've got a cool world. Yeah, that's uh, a good the sh- yeah, the short itself uh, shows a little bit of it. Yeah. Uh, it really shows the technical ability of of the studio and what we can do, and you know. And but uh, for us, we really want to move forward. We. Uh, we are, I'm, I'm right now in the process of writing the script for episode one. Uh, uh, we've already laid out the whole series, which is about the first season will be about 10 episodes. Uh, we are gunning for it as a studio, you know, yeah. we well, it feels are not that way waiting. Too. What's that? It feels that way too. It feels like the teaser for a series. A series, and, yeah. And you see these characters and you're like, I really love these characters. I want to see more of these characters. And yeah, you have very effectively set all of that up. So, yeah. yeah. So we've been, you know, we've been approached by quite a few studios, you know, interested in it as well. So we are, that's also in the process. So for us, yeah, for us, we knew we've got something interesting. We know we've got something that we can, we believe in and the team believes in. And so we are, yeah, the future is hopefully bright for Spice Frontier. Hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. I want to see more of it. <laughs> when I was okay. thinking about it the other day, I, now, are you from, India or your family's from India or yeah my ancestors are from India but yeah, I'm so actually got the spice from... element in there that was really yeah, absolutely <laughs> I'm from uh, I'm from an island called Mauritius yeah um, and I'm like third fourth generation you know uh, Mauritian mm-hmm. so my grand grandfather my grand grandfather was probably uh, is from from India and uh, actually some of them are actually from Burma as well yeah and uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, talking about spice, I think for me, uh, space, you know, and food is such a big part of my life, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I, won't, I wouldn't call myself a foodie, but I am very picky with what I eat. You know, I, and my, my wife hates me for that, but <laughs> I'm very, very picky. And, uh, but, you know, space is a huge part of my life, you know, like growing yeah. up with the next generation to me was just, uh, you know, incredible growing up with you know, Jean-Luc Picard and, and the crew of the Enterprise. Yeah, and, our brains were always in space. We were just, that's right. where our imaginations were going. <laughs> that's where she's going. So I think when I got to the point of writing the story, I was like, what about mixing the two together, you know, and and creating a world where there are no, there is no uh, delicious human food anymore. There are, there are no spices from Earth anymore. Yeah. What would I do if I lived in a space where there were no replicators, you know? when It'd be so hard. You know, start, you know, Star Trek, they can just replicate the food. What if I didn't have that and I had to cook earth, in, earth food, but I don't have the ingredients? I was like, oh, my God, this is – what if these ingredients are, you know, in worlds where there are monsters and creatures and and uh, it's a fantasy universe, you know? And I'm yeah. like, whoa. So that's what we built. Yeah. Well, and, and back to your point of you have a great team. I can see that in the in the chat, <laughs> your whole studio is here. Oh no! Yeah, Ben Ben Chewinka, I might have pr- mispronounced that. So, yep, who are all these people Chewinka. in the chat? And then Anka Mihai 
said I mean, basically I, all the steamrollers tuning in lol <laughs> and they have lots of smiley faces and hearts and crowns and hey everybody uh, from steamroller studios <laughs> how did they even know this was happening i didn't tell, did tell anyone well there was the post on linkedin so linkedin oh, mentioned that's me totally what happened. and yeah, uh yeah there's a bunch of comments on it already and Guys, it's your day off today. Everybody should be just going out. Go to the beach. Come on, go celebrate the, the fourth. Well, actually, be careful. Social distancing. Oh yeah, yeah. If you're gonna go out. <laughs> Please be careful. Yeah. yeah. Well, in and in, in the future, that that's the ep, epic epica. I, that was Portuguese. That is the <laughs> the era that we're in right now. Is we just we've been through the pandemic. It, it's kind of going up and down. We're not sure if we're gonna have more lockdowns and and quarantines. And uh, we also have a lot of civil unrest in the country. So. That's kind of the atmosphere that we're recording this in, which is a, a very interesting atmosphere and, and a very yeah. important time for storytellers to be telling stories, as, as truthful yeah. of stories as they can tell. So, It's difficult times, but you know what? We've been living, except for the pandemic, of course, we have been living in these difficult times, you know? I think, uh, you know, we need to stand up. We need to speak about it. We need to speak about, you know, Black Lives Matter. We need to speak about the pro problems that we've been going through. It's just now you know, being voiced and we are seeing it via, you know, streaming and YouTube and technology. And I think we are, we are standing up, which I think is, is amazing. And we are going to speak about it and our stories will change and we will make sure that our next, the next generation will learn and be better than us. You know, I do believe we, our generation is better than the previous in terms of, of, of racism and all that. And I think it's, it's going to get better. Oh yeah, in terms of that, absolutely, we're we're definitely better, and and yeah, I've ha can't tell you how many interesting conversations I've had the past month about this subject, and and uh, the amount of growth that comes from listening and really working to wrap your mind around the whole situation. Because in the country, we have, we have a big polarization politically, and you have all these different viewpoints, and it's it is very challenging to listen well enough so that you can wrap your mind around both of them without immediately like jumping on the person you don't agree with and saying, no, no, you're wrong. You know, I, I yeah. see it this way. It's like, wait, wait, no, back up a little bit. Just listen a little bit lo longer, you know, and, and before I, I'm going on a Facebook fast, <laughs> but before I did that, I actually was in a conversation with a, a friend who had actually switched parties politically and he's posting all these things that are interesting. He's exploring those ideas and people on the other side are calling him a bigot and all of this stuff. It's like, oh, interesting. So I, I tried to get in the conversation, just start to kind of level the playing field a bit and say, hey, let's have some civil discourse. Let's not call let's each other names. Let's listen to each other. Yeah, let's listen. Let's, let's talk. And uh, unfortunately, somebody jumped in and said, no, no, what you said originally was good. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a break. I'm going to go talk to people that I know will listen. And I'm going to go listen to people who I know will, will talk. And My dad told me that. He was like, do not, when, you, when you're in an argument, do not argue about politics, sports, and religion. Stay yeah. away. <laughs> but you know what? We're, we're in a different world now. You know, yeah. I do disagree with my dad. I was like, I'm not going to argue about it, but I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to voice it. I'm not going to be scared to talk about it. Yeah, I do agree with that. I, I, I run that over in my head a lot of times. I'm like, I wonder why they said that. But I think there was a day when listening wasn't as prevalent. And yeah. I, th I hope we're getting better at it. I do. We, I think we are. I think, I think our survival depends on it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. We're talking about the pandemic now. You, you were just featured in a news article that I saw on LinkedIn, and it, it talked about how you have grown during the pandemic. 
I have as well, but that's as a freelancer with an intern. <laughs> so I nearly did hire somebody, but he, he took the job at Microsoft, right. <laughs> which I can't, I can't tell you, you know, take that job, take my job. You, know? <laughs> you can't hide that. No, no, no. But it, it's still, uh, still an interesting time. How, how has this unfolded for you? How, ha- how have you been able to survive this time where a lot of studios have laid people off and have had to stop, yeah. stop and halt production? Yeah, it's and now it's a very awkward situation and it's something that I'm very aware of and very careful to to talk about it because you know a lot of my friends you know are getting laid off you know right. companies that I value companies companies that I respect a lot you know right. are laying off you know a lot of people that I know and and you know and our, we are lucky you know to be in the in where we are in the animation industry where you know, especially on the cinematics or gameplay side of things for video games, you know, people staying at home during the pandemic want to play more Fortnite, you know, yeah. they want to play more video games, they want to play more Dauntless. And, and uh, you know, the needs for animation grows, you know, uh, mm-hmm. especially that you can animate, you know, you can animate a performance staying at home, but you can't be on set shooting a, you know, a live action film. Right. So the animation industry is probably healthier, you know, at this point or healthy or surviving better than other studios. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I hate the, the sound of saying we benefited from it, but I think we, uh, we were lucky to, to, and you know, also we were able to bring some of these people that lost their jobs, you know, we were able to bring some of them here, you know, with us and, yeah. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, stay with us for a while. Yeah, that's that's great, and and I like the differentiation between benefited and and the fortunate circumstances that you find yes. yourself in. And it's not just a fortunate circumstances for you to line your own pockets. It's a fortunate circumstance where you can actually bring people into what you're doing, and you know, they, they can continue to learn and to grow. And that's the whole point of this industry. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we were we were extremely scared to to work from home because. Yeah because of our clients and the security of these projects and you know we were terrified of it but let me tell you my pipeline team my pipeline team was incredible like i was terrified but yeah i remember imagine yeah i remember george (laughs) looking at me going we gotta do this jaleel we're gonna do it and it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be good and i'm like oh my god george moving almost a hundred people you know from a studio you know to go work from home he goes well uh, let's. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna figure this out. And I'm telling you, within a week, week and a half, the pipeline team. I, I remember seeing them running from the office to the to the computers, moving and packing everything, encrypting every single computer over the weekend. And uh, you know, every animator would come in in the morning, pick up the computer, you know, go home. Everything is going through the server. Everything was secured and. It was beautiful to watch it happen. Go, oh my God, this is actually working. So now it's opened up, uh, you know, for us in terms of trusting a bit more that our pipeline can work, you know, with remote, uh, you know, with a big remote team and it's actually doable. So that's going to change the industry quite a bit. Yeah, you know? it is. Yeah. It absolutely is. Well, and it, I, my, my goal for quite a while has been to direct a remote animated feature. And that's what I'm still working toward. And, you know, this, this period of time has really been reaffirming in that way. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's, this is very possible. And that dream of, oh, you don't have to live in a place that is so the high, the cost of living is so high. We can, we can go anywhere. And as long as you have a strong internet connection, you can work on a, a high level project and kind of see the world in a way. I, I really hope that someday I have an employee that just travels a lot. <laughs> 
And, you know, one week they're in Tennessee, the next week they're in New York, the next week they're um, they are on a train in Jamaica. <laughs> or to play. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Mean, you can be anywhere, really. Yeah. And of course, you'd need, the, you'd need even more of the right people at that point because you need people who will, you know, keep the secrets and, and make sure they're not spreading, you know, all, all the news of everything around. But I, I do, I trust that people can do that. Yeah, if you have a good, you know, hiring process and, you know, we do test out, you know, when we bring someone on board, it's always, you know, we make sure that we have reviews and all that stuff just to make sure we, yeah. we have the right person. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, we've the right, uh, you know, you ask, it's a small industry, you know, yeah. most people know most people. So usually when we bring someone on board, we do our research and make sure it's somebody we can trust. You know. And then there are people like me who tell you no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and the people like you, Scott. I'm I remember so sorry. messaging you like what three years ago. I think yeah, I was, I was like, Scott, you should join us. We're making this really cool short short called Spice Frontier, and you were like, I don't care. But about you didn't tell short. me about no, Spice I'm Frontier. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish you would have told me about that because um, at the time I was making layers, right? And it's like, that's oh, right. I I really want to. Can I join you remotely? You're like, oh, not quite yet. Now, now you would have said yes, right? But yeah, absolutely. Um, we were not doing remote at that time. I remember that. You know how many of my friends actually did say, Do you, "If you were doing remote, I'll be able to join you." And at that yeah. time, I was like, "Sorry, man, we, we're not doing that." But today, it's all different. So all my friends listening, please call me. <laughs> Stay my friend. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fun though. It's fun, and it's been really cool to see that Spice Frontier short come together and and again i thought oh i wish i had been working on that <laughs> you know and, and that's a great great thing i think that's a great compliment to your project thank you is Scott. to Appreciate be able to hear it. that people wish they could have could have been a part of it so yeah awesome so what would you say your philosophy is as a director who didn't Ooh. intend on becoming a director <laughs> did not at all i think well i would say my philosophy is definitely trusting trusting in your team and if you have the right people there Allow them to allow them to explore options. Allow them to let loose. You know, I I, I do see a lot of directors where they have something in mind and that's it. And usually, what you have in mind will not translate perfectly to the screen. And you need to be aware of this. If you are self-aware, you are going to be able to trust your team to put something on screen, and you'll be able to guide them to get it to the intent that you're looking for yeah and uh, you know i see too many directors being way too strict about i want this pose to be exactly like this you know for me if the intent of the performance is there the story is working i'm willing to let the animators or the artists explore and i've discovered that you get actually a better product when your team is happy with what they are doing and uh, so, yeah, I would say trusting your team is the biggest part of it. When when we started doing it, part of us were we were gonna do it more half two D, half two D, half three D. Oh, and I wanted and it still to kind of feels all... that way in a way. It does, With right? And that's be- and... yeah, exactly. And what we did, what the idea was to do it, you know, two D characters and like a you know two D flat characters mm-hmm. in, in Maya, you know, similar to how South Park oh. and some of the yeah. TV shows are being done. And it was my you know my supervisor and lead that said, Jalil, why don't we do the characters in three D, but the backgrounds in two D, mm-hmm. uh, and then we can um, to me that's the unknown, right? I'm like I could easily have said, well, no, we're not doing that. I'm gonna go with what I know, but. Again, I trusted my team. I said, okay, can you guys prove to me that this is going to be the best way to go? And I remember Josiah, 
one of my supervisors, you know, he, he, he worked like all week trying to get this little test to show me that you can do 3D on 2D and make it look look 2D. And it was around the same time the first trailer for Spider-Verse, you know, ah. into Spider-Verse come out. And we were like, hey, we can totally do this. You know, it's it's doable. Sony's doing it. So, you know, then we went and did it. I I did I did I did do a mistake there because I said, well, I am terrified of CG eyes because I know I, I know how difficult it was, you know, when I was at DreamWorks to get good eye shapes, especially on a character like Jack Frost or or Hiccup, you know, how difficult mm-hmm. it was to get good eye shapes. I was like, guys, I would rather we stick to 2D eyes, you know, let's do 2D planes, 2D eyes. We have our artists build the eyes and then we'll put them in there. And the animators were like, oh, this can be tough. I said, no, we are doing that. I should have trusted my team at that point as well. <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to give you guys 3D bodies and 3D mouths, but I got to stick to the eyes in 2D. What a mistake, Scott. What oh, a mistake. Really? I was, I was waiting for it to be like the greatest thing ever. <laughs> no, no, my God, no. It just, it was a nightmare. Everybody oh. was like, why do we do this? So we already remodeled all the faces to, to be 3D now. So we're not going to do this in 2D. Oh. So my philosophy, trust in the team. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And at that point, you didn't trust your team. At that point, I did not. And that's the thing, right? It's ah. uh, and, I, and I talk about that quite a bit. I, if you watch Star Trek, right? You, I'm rewatching The Next Generation right now. So that's why, uh, you know, you watch how John Luc Picard, uh, how he runs the, the Enterprise. He's very <laughs> much about uh, ideas. You know, uh, he would turn around and say, you know, I need options, thoughts. You know, he would always ask his team because he knows he will be able to make the decision of what's the best idea, but he trusts his team to each of them be smart enough to know what the best idea is in their field. Yeah. Then he can decide what works. And I think that's the way you run a ship. And honestly, yeah. a ship. You know, Jean Picard <laughs> is my my you know my inspiration. You know, to it be sounds like it. That's... And and to me, he's fantastic as a leader. And you know, every time I watch the episode, I'm like, wow, look at that decision he made. He yeah. he really made sure he listens to all the options before making a decision. And I think I'm learning a lot from that. And I, you know, I, I do try to run run my ship the same way. Yeah. You you touch on a point that I I think a lot about often with story and story structure and all of that, where, you know, John Picard is a fictional character. <laughs> And people could say, this is fiction, right? What? But there's truth in it. <laughs> How could there be truth in fiction? <laughs> you know, but it's, it's very true. Like this, is, this, is, this person has become very real to you and, and uh, a guide to you in a way. And, and your directing philosophy is, it, it sounds like it's very wrapped up in things you learn from watching John Picard run the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> people are going to be, oh my God, I can't believe my boss is he's a Star Trek, he's a Trekkie. I'm not a Trekkie. I just really like Star Trek. Yeah. Well, you like, you like the great story there. You haven't talked. I do like. You haven't, you haven't spoken once about the technology or about the, Very true. the unusual tidbits of information, like the random trivia about Star Trek. You talked about the story of John Picard and how he's impacted you. Absolutely. So, it's the characters and yeah. the relationships and the decision making. And it's about life and, and different races and species. A lot of it resonates with what we are going through today, you know, and, yeah. and you can, you could tell they actually fixed a lot of that in Star Trek. You know, if we yeah. only go back, you know, 20, 30 years and rewatch them, we're going to learn a lot from it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and uh, back on your main character. Your main character, his fascination, his obsession, really, is spices, right? 
But we yeah. can all relate to the idea of having an obsession. So even though I'm not interested in, well, now I'm interested in spices. <laughs> now that I saw your shirt, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting thought, you know, about spices. But this idea of being um, so passionate about something that you'd be willing to risk your life to discover more about it, that's that's pretty moving. Yeah, he's he's a character that he's discovering his humanity while he's, uh, you know, while he's finding these, these spices, you know, a lot of people ask, well, why are they following him? You know, what's the, what's the importance of it? But right, he is passionate about food, but humans are not regarded as the good guys in that world. You know, they are the villains. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, they, I mean, again, we don't, we barely touch, you know, on this in the, in the short, because you know, of course, lack of time, but humans are not regarded as the, as the good guys. So, He's searching, and he was brought up by by an alien by alien parents. Okay. So his mom and dad actually were not humans. Well, actually, biological mom and dad, you know, were humans, but his adopted parents were not. So he grew up around prejudice, and and uh, you know he he it was a, he had a tough time growing up, right? So he's searching now for humanity and and for his identity as a human, and he. That's why food is what he's is the vessel, you know, for him to find this to to discover that. That's really cool. And thanks for pulling the curtain back. <laughs> Makes us excited to see it. <laughs> yeah. Can can we back up a little bit? So, there was a question that I didn't ask you. Yep. And it just came back to my mind because you know I I, I was happy to move on, but I, I really would like to kind of go back just a little bit more and talk about you leave DreamWorks. Was leaving DreamWorks to start CGTarian? No, 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 no. Sagittarian was during DreamWorks. It was during DreamWorks. So at what point was, do you leave and start creating your own thing? Yeah, Sagittarian was, again, my first endeavor in, uh, in uh, you know, in building something, you know, yeah. building a studio. And and it was you know, incredibly fun. And my partner was, you know, was fun to work with, especially at the very beginning of the project. And I think as I was, I was very much in that searching for something different, because I think, DreamWorks was my dream job. You know, mm-hmm. I, I said after Weta, there's only one place I want to go, and that's DreamWorks. And already being at DreamWorks and working on Rise of the Guardians was such a difficult project for me. You know, it was emotionally draining. And uh, you know, after Rise of the Guardians, I said, this is it. I don't think I'll ever do anything else. I don't think I don't think I'm ready for any any more feature animation. When Dragons Two happened. It was like a calling, you know, when yeah. I saw, you know, these dragons, I was like, how can I say no to how to your dragon too, you know? And um, so I was lucky, you know, to be working with the team on dragons too and the people there and, and uh, you know, and it brought me back. I got this enjoyment again for animating on dragons too. But again, there was, at that point, it was too late. There was this thing in me that said, you want to tell your own stories. There's something else out there. And it was so. CJ was happening regardless. We, you know, we we really wanted to to you know this 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 teaching thing in us. We want to share what we learn and what we know. And and of course, you know, there's you, there's money in 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 schools. There's always that angle as well. Uh, it came to a point after Dragons too that I was like, there's something out. There's something else out there for me. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Keith, my business partner, who worked with me at Weta, you know, for five six years, uh, you know, uh, uh, down in New Zealand. He came to visit uh, me in LA and he said, Hey, I'm moving back to Florida with my best friend, Adam, and uh, we're going to make this little game. 
uh, and this game, we actually started the game together while I was still in New Zealand. It was kind of a side little project we were doing. And I, and I was like, are you crazy? You're going to leave Weta to go back home in a garage and work on a little game? He's like, yeah, you should do it too. As usual, I laugh at it. But seven months later, I was on my way. You know, uh, you know it's uh, my wife and I made the decision and we packed up everything. And I said, I told DreamWorks, hey, I'm going to go try this thing. There's a chance it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work out. So maybe I'll come back for Dragons 3. And I got their blessings. You know, they were super awesome about it and and so i took about three months sabbatical you know they they, okay. they saved my spot sabbatical. you know yeah i was very lucky you know dreamworks saved my spot and they were like well you'll come back and but then i you know i did fly back after i decided no i think i'm gonna stay in florida and you know i, I remember walking in my manager's office and said sorry i think i think i'm gonna stay and do my little thing over there it was awesome. Everybody was really happy. You yeah. know, Simon Otto, my animation, my head of animation did tell me years later when I went back to visit, he's like, I really thought this little thing you were doing in Florida this was going to fail and you were just going to come back to us. That's why I said, absolutely, go do that. <laughs> then come back. But, uh, but yeah, but it, it worked out. You know, it worked out. That sounds familiar too. I've had a lot of people say that like, oh, you're still going? Really? <laughs> you're still out, kind of outside of the industry, but connected in a way? It's still connected, working? How, yeah. how in the world are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. Again, I got to say something as well, you know, about my, my, my business partners, Adam, you know, yeah. Adam uh, Meyer and Keith Lackey, because they, they, and now we have a fourth partner as well, uh, Phil Bias. But um, uh, Adam and Keith, you know, when we started this, it's it's like lightning in a bottle when you get three people that have different ways of thinking that can actually jive if there's respect. And I think the respect that we had for each other was so strong in terms of we knew we were good at what we do, but we were good at very different things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for both of them to go, Jalil, here's the key of Steamroller. You are the person to run this place. Here you go was to me a sign of, oh my God, they do trust me. But it, wow. it made me gain so much more respect for them in respecting everything they say. So like respect yeah, it's like, generates more respect is what it sounds it generates, like. Exactly, right? Yeah. And they tell you after three years, if things are not working out in a partnership, that's the end of your endeavor. That's right? the end of your project or your company. Yeah. But after three, four years, we were getting stronger. You know, today we are as strong as it gets as a, as a team. You yeah, know, we, that's how it looks from the outside too. It, really impressive really inspiring yeah and we laugh about it we sit down you know every time we hear someone else trying it we're like well they're gonna have to find that lightning in a bottle i always say they're gonna have to find an adam and a keith you know and adam would say they need to find a keith and a jaleel <laughs> you know it's yeah. it's uh it's it's that way and it's awesome and now we actually brought you know we we partnered with uh, phil bias on the, and we opened a technology side of the studio mm -hmm. Uh, and you're you know, partnering more, to, we're going more towards uh, experiences, more like theme parks, you know, rides and stuff like that. So okay. it was awesome as well. And Phil is a similar type of, you know, brainy person who is respectful, a person who is, you know, a hard worker. And it, yeah, the four of us now are just, just jiving. It's, it's really cool. It's really cool. We've been doing this for what, six years, seven years now? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> Which is wood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And okay, so back on the subject of, you know, Rise of the Guardians drained you. Just so you know, so after Rhythm and Hughes, I was laid off. And then it was like, every studio seemed to kind of have, be having layoffs or they were picking up the people who were laid off. And, and I was kind of, I, I don't want to say strung along because I have a lot of respect for the people I was talking to. But some days it did feel that way. It felt like, 
okay, this this is gonna happen. I'm gonna get a job at this studio or a job at that studio, and then things wouldn't quite pan out. And so I was feeling really miserable. And I went mm. and saw Rise of the Guardians, and it just relit that that fire and that passion for animation. Wow. Yeah. Wow, so, that's amazing. A project that almost killed me. The project that almost killed you. you. Back. It's because your energy was going into it so it could come and help me. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm glad. I'm it's glad. It's a very selfish thing it. for me to say, but <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, you know, a bit of that, a bit of that did help me. So, yeah. Oh, but that's awesome to hear. That's really cool to hear. It, it was, again, it wasn't my type of a film or my type of characters, but it, I would say I did learn a lot on that project. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the people I worked with on, 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 on Rise, my supervisor, you know, he, he taught me quite a bit, you know, on that project. And I feel like it was difficult. It was draining. It was demanding. Everybody was stressed out. But I learned so much. If I had to pick one project that I've probably learned the most on, well, the, I, the two projects I feel I've learned the most would be Rise of the Guardians and The Water Horse. Oh, were the two project I feel I've grown the most as yeah. a as an artist as an animator. I feel like I've learned a lot about staging and facial, you know, during Rise of the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even though I was three years on Avatar, you know, and that I wouldn't say I didn't learn a lot. I did, but I feel I feel like Rise of the Guardians was one of the meteor uh, projects for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, we are about seven minutes from being over so we better ask the question that i always ask it's called the get wiser moment someday i'll have a jingle when (laughs) i've been trying to write a jingle but jingles are hard they're really short you want them to be really good and well (laughs) the get wiser i love it yeah and the question actually used to be it's evolved (laughs) but it used to be what responsibility does a filmmaker have to the world culture and everybody kept saying a very similar thing it was Truth, truth, truth. Got to tell the truth. Got to tell the truth. You know. And now my question is, if my goal is to get the highest clarity, the high, highest potency of truth into a project, what approach would you recommend? Oh my God! You put me. Can't you just send me these questions like before? Isn't there like a? <laughs> isn't there like a like a, a practice for that so I can think about this? Uh, you're putting me on the spot here. Well, I mean, I think being, you know, I think being honest has always been a big part of of who I am. And, you know, growing up, you know, being a person that uh, is willing to not be scared about everything around you and what others are going to say. I think, you know, when when making a film, for me, there's a lot of norms out there. A lot of there are ways to do certain things. You know, you look at the Pixar, the, the Pixar way of telling stories or Disney way of telling stories sometimes it does feel forced, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, uh, trash talk any projects, you know, but well, they're all projects talented. that you feel. Yeah. What's that? Because they're amazingly talented. Because they're amazingly talented, yeah. but they all projects you feel they're doing this for a purpose. They're doing this to showcase a specific ethnicity. There's a, there's a, there's a thinking behind it. Let's do it because we haven't done a black princess yet. Let's do it is this the right way to approach it? Or are we hiding something more behind it? Why wasn't there a black princess before, right? Why, what is this deeper, what is this deeper meaning that we are missing? Why does it have to be, let's do a black princess t- today. Then what happens next film? Why can't we do another black princess? Why can't we have three black princesses back to back? Yeah. Why, right? What, why, why is there such a specific, 
I think we need to dig deeper into these these questions, you know, and uh, some of these stories to me. So when we were doing Spice Frontier, I don't mean to go back to that. I wanted to do something for me, something for us, something that's enjoyable and fun. Yeah. I didn't care if it was a white, brown, black character. I didn't th- I didn't care if all characters on that ship were, you know, were white, you know. I, yeah. I'm a brown guy. I, I, I don't. I would like us to be in a future where we can do something like this and not have to go, mm, hold on, let's see, five characters. Okay, one needs to be black, one needs to be an alien, one needs to be a woman. What, you know, is it really that that we need to be thinking about or should it just let the story be the way it is? Again, I don't know. I might be completely wrong here because... Yeah. What am I teaching my kid, you know, if I have a film that, you know, it's all, you know, a, a specific community and not, you know, opening it up. I don't know. It's, you know, it's, you put it's me on the spot here, Scott, I, so I don't I have actually, a specific uh, answer. I was talking to somebody. We, we, I've had several conversations about race recently, right? And it was very interesting because this parent decided that they're not going to teach their child quite yet about racism because they're very, very young. And they have a friend who has very dark skin. And they treat that friend so well. They treasure that friend's friendship. And so he's like, rather than interrupt that learning, I'm just going to wait a little bit until the conversation comes up naturally. And then I will talk to my, my children about the history of, of race in the world and, and slavery in the world, which isn't, actually wasn't always based on race. Slavery wasn't. And I thought that was, that was pretty wise. And again, maybe it's the wrong choice, but that's the choice he made because of what he saw his children were going through. You know, it's it's incredible what, that you're saying this now. About a few weeks ago, my wife and I had this exact same conversation. Mm-hmm. Do we tell my daughter that we are different? You know, my mm-hmm. daughter, you know, all her friends are blonde, blue eyes, right? And and she doesn't know yet that there is a difference. But we can already hear it. We can already start seeing, you know, some of her friends even mentioning things sometimes and yeah. So do you open it up? Do, there are two ways you could go. Do you not speak about it? It's how you treat people around you. Mm-hmm. You can trust that your child will be will learn from this because they do pick up much faster than adults do, right? Or do you actually open it up and say, hey, this person is white, this person is black, you know, this person is brown, and uh, but it's fine. We are yeah. all different, but it's totally okay. Look, we love each other. Is it the way to go? Or do you not speak about it? But the danger of that is you allow the world to teach them. I, maybe, I think you do, yeah. Maybe that's dangerous because it, maybe the world they are in, they could have a friend that treats them the wrong way and they despise somebody of a different uh, ethnicity. And yeah. it's a dangerous thing. So for us, I think we're going to be open about it. We're going to yeah. talk about race, talk about color, that people are, we look different. Oh, come on, we look different. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. We can't deny this. So I look we different than different. that Caucasian guy over there. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? So we need to make sure that the, our kids understand it's the outer skin that's different. On the inside, we are all exactly the same. You know, yeah. it's it's just the outer skin. I think if they can understand that, I think yeah. um, I think we're going to be great. I think our future is going to be really good. It's a difficult, uh, you know, something very difficult to approach them, especially. With it is. Kids. It is, and and in my so what. What my wife and I have done is we just have conversations about it, and my kids have been overhearing it. And then when I hear what my kid repeats, then I start to think, okay, hmm, I think I need to explain a little bit more here. Yes. You know? You adapt. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like a reflection of yourself as well, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, is that what I, you think I said? 
<laughs> because yep. if that's what you that's think not I what said, I intended, <laughs> then I, we need to course correct here. You know, we need to become better together. And I, I absolutely believe this. I believe like our kids are teaching us as well. And oh, yeah. we just need to guide them in this world because I feel we should not, they are the generation that will help us, you know, fix all the, you know, all the negative that's been happening. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the biggest key here is just have that open dialogue. Always be saying, what's, what's, is there anything that concerns you right now? And, and listen, mm-hmm. you know, and never shut that off, you know? <laughs> And I think that's that's another, I mean, we're tying this back to filmmaking. I think that's another way to be a great filmmaker, to tell great stories, is you're constantly in that in that loop of, not a feedback loop, <laughs> where you say something into a bubble and the bubble says it back to you, but a loop where it's like, okay, I, I put something out there and then I see the reaction to it and I learn from it. And I, I'm starting to discover the truth as I write the story. And I think that, that that's a great way, great approach. So... Yeah, I really loved your answer. I know you felt put on the spot, but your answer was very <laughs> insightful. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, yeah, this is the end of the show today. Uh, is there a place that you'd like people to be able to find you? Yeah, I'm so bad at that social media I've stuff. Put, yeah. I've put Instagram Steamroller, Instagram in Perfect. the link. I've put the website in the link. So I'm sure my team right now is screaming, Jill, say this, say this. I am going to say go to Steamroller Studios. I don't even know our Twitter or if we even have an Instagram. Or you do Facebook. have an Instagram. It's okay. in the link. I think we have it's a Facebook. To the comment. Awesome. Right. I think we have a Facebook account. Everybody's laughing right now. I don't, yeah, I'm not a big, <laughs> I don't understand how all of this works. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you, you guys keep, you get follow us. We are actually going to be opening a, a fan, I would say, I don't know if that's a blog or a fan base thingy for Spice Frontier. My marketing team is hating me right now for not saying the right thing. But uh, Spice Frontier is going to, is going and we will keep telling stories in that world. So please follow us. Okay. And you can follow me. Links in the description. And until next time, in all that you're doing and you're pursuing your learning, I hope that you get wiser. You have been watching the Directing Animation Livecast with Scott Weiser. Produced by Lauren Chaikin. Audio version edited by Kiera Horowitz. Copyright Scott Weiser, LLC 2020.